Welcome to Black Sparrow Radio, KBSR, transmitting from the lovely little city of Taylor, Texas. You are listening to Plow and Hose, a show dedicated to the joys and challenges of organic backyard gardening in Central Texas. I am your host, Julie Rydell. Welcome to the show. Hi there, plant friends. Welcome to Plow and Hose. Welcome to my really chilly backyard and patio studio. I am sitting out here and it's like 39 degrees and I'm just, uh, I don't know, wow. Um, You know, here in Central Texas with our ridiculous late fall weather, just within the last 24 hours, the temperatures have dropped 50 degrees. We went from a record-setting 85 degrees in December to flirting with freezing temperatures like 32 degrees and that kind of puts us in the range for actually getting our first frost for the second half of 2021 and because of that I spent part of my day today making sure my cold tender plants recovered or moved and then I went out to the yard and picked three and a half pounds of little tiny cherry tomatoes. I've had so many just the past few weeks. And this weather has just been unseasonably warm since Thanksgiving. And we have been way overdue for our first frost. And that usually happens um, around November 27th. So here we are two weeks in and now we might just get our first frost. So between those two situations, my cold tender plants, my like my tomatoes and peppers mainly, they have been really happy and super productive and they still have lots of blossoms on them, which is kind of unusual for this time of year. And I'm not used to having peppers and tomatoes this late in the year. And so I wasn't going to cover them up. I was just going to be done with them for the year and just wait till next year to enjoy them. But I thought about it and these plants have been really, really good plants and they obviously aren't quite ready to be done. So I had a change of heart and I ran inside and I got some old sheets and I threw them over my plants to kind of in a reckless sort of way to protect them so if it does dip down to 32 degrees overnight and it happens to zap them that's fine that's all right by me they have been really good plants and that's enough satisfaction for me but there is a part of me that thinks it would be really cool to have homegrown christmas tomatoes so we'll see how that goes it This past week has um, been so warm and it's been so warm for the past few weeks that I've had a lot of wonderful little surprises in the garden, Um, This, especially this week before it cooled off. Mainly lots and lots of butterflies on my Greg Smith flowers. 
I think I counted one afternoon about 15, which was incredible. It was like a little mini swarm of butterflies out there. Most of them were queen butterflies, but I did spot a few monarchs and that's really cool. Butterflies are usually long gone by this time of year. So I absolutely loved seeing them and seeing so many of them too. Also in my yard, I've noticed uh, dandelions, yellow dandelions popping up in the lawn. Dandelions in December, that's kind of nuts. <laughs> but even more unusual was something else that I saw. I was in my car in the driveway and uh, I was getting ready to leave. And I noticed this big, bright, golden yellow thing I was just sitting on top of the grass in my front yard and I, I was like, oh, this piece of trash or I thought it was like a napkin or something. So I hopped out of my car to go pick it up. And as I got closer to it, I realized it was a pumpkin blossom. I don't even know how a pumpkin seed would have gotten over there, but this um, pumpkin sprouted up right there, just volunteered to be right there in my front yard. I don't know, it's kind of cool. I don't understand this weather, but it's been really good for the pollinators and for the tomatoes. With this strong cold front that has rolled through and the winds that we had from the other day, I don't have any leaves left on my trees in the yard. They are just all bare and naked now. All but the ones that don't. Um, drop in the fall like the live oaks my magnolias uh, loquat they still have nice green leaves but all my fruit trees the pecans the elm tree mulberry hackberries all of those they have dropped their leaves completely so it's really starting to look like it should this time of year in central texas since we're two weeks into December and we're coming up on Christmas, I thought I would spend a little time talking about gift ideas if you happen to be shopping for a plant person or maybe you've been asked what you would like for a gift. I got a couple ideas for you that I wanna share. So um, let's jump right in. A couple of weeks ago, I spent the whole show talking about how to garden more efficiently through permaculture. Um, permaculture is just a concept in landscape design that is earth friendly and it makes gardening easier while improving crop yields. Permaculture can be as complex or as simple as you want it. You can have like a ultimate permaculture system where you are completely self-sustaining and you have zero waste and you're totally off the grid or you can just incorporate a few permaculture concepts that make tending your garden easier and a little more environmentally friendly. So some of these gift ideas can help make garden easier without having to totally buy into and adopt 100% into permaculture. I think that they'll make spending time in your garden a little more pleasant and of course they will make nice thoughtful gifts for any plant people in your life. Since these are pretty specific items and we are 
totally out of the spring and summer gardening window. It might be, you know, it is going to be a little more difficult to find these things at big box stores. All those big box stores, they have already converted their garden center space into Christmas decorations. So you'll probably need to look for these things online or better yet, call around to the independent nurseries and shop with them. Unless your gardening gift recipient specifically asks for a certain plant, try to resist the temptation to give a plant. Houseplants are one thing, but don't go try to go buy like a big tree, at least not without asking first. Trees can make really lovely gifts, but only give them if you know the person has the time and the space to plant it. Maybe you could offer to help dig the hole. That would be a really lovely thing to include too. But if that's not really what you were thinking about doing anyway, there are some other ideas for gifts, including some for younger gardeners, and then also friends and family who are just a little bit outdoorsy and kind of on the plant curious spectrum. All right. With COVID and social distancing, a lot of us have been hanging out outside and spending time together outdoors. So look for gifts that enhance your outdoor space. There are all kinds of chimeneas and fire pits available and so many different price points from simple metal fire rings that you get at the feed store to really elaborate and very decorative chimeneas and fire pits. Just think about how nice that would be to spend some time outside with your friends and family, just sitting around the fire, you know, making s'mores or just wrapped up in blankets, sitting outside the fire, just visiting. I think that sounds like so nice. Those uh, metal fire rings that I mentioned, those can also actually be used as planters and they look really cute, filled with flowers. So if fire-related gifting isn't really what you had in mind, you can always use those as planters. They are very portable and they're easy to move around every season. Metal fire pit rings are kind of awkward to wrap. And maybe you would prefer to give something that's not fire related, maybe something a whole lot less hazardous. You might consider giving outdoor string lights. They are another great gift idea that gives light and ambiance to outdoor spaces, but without all the hazards. And you can totally find some really nice outdoor strands with like a dozen or so incandescent Edison style uh, light bulbs. You can find those for like $20, $25, Those are the um, large bulbs that look really nice in the backyards. And lots of restaurants with patios have them too. They're, they're not hard to find anymore. Even just one strand strung across a small patio or on a balcony, it can really change the space and it lets you enjoy your patio throughout the year. For a little more money, um, there are some really fun color-changing LED 
outdoor strands and those would be really festive to put in your yard or out on your patio. You could add a timer to your gift so that the lights automatically come on and turn off. Timers are such an inexpensive addition and it helps you enjoy your outdoor space and you never have to worry about turning them off. We've got our patio lights on timers and it's really nice to not have to worry if we left them on or not. Having the lights on timers can also give the impression that there's someone at home even when there isn't. And that's just like a nice little side benefit that just happens to discourage strangers from creeping around. Another small benefit of those outdoor patio lights is that they can give any plants you leave outside year-round just a little extra supplemental light during the darkest days of winter. Even if they are only on for an hour or two in the evenings, your plants can use the light for photosynthesis and make, um, they'll, they'll do that to make food even if the day is gloomy. Now, if there aren't any electrical light, uh, any electrical outlets nearby um, for those string lights, you can always look for solar powered options. Just do a little research on these. There are such a variety of solar lights and they come in fun shapes and colors, but a lot of them don't connect. So you have to make sure that um, you know that, that they, they're not gonna hook up together. And you also have to um, make sure that the little solar panels stay clean so they can fully charge during the day. There really are so many gardening related gifts that you can give to the plant people in your life. If your plant person is really into tools, look for something they don't already have or look to upgrade to a better quality item. Independent nurseries tend to carry different brands than the big box stores. And they're also usually a little higher quality and gardeners really enjoy using really great tools. Local nurseries will buy items that they stock. Um, they buy them themselves, and they're usually really well versed in the benefits and the features of the tools and the products they sell. You know, chain stores sometimes, they have corporate buyers that live in other states, and they don't necessarily buy them with gardening in mind, like a, like a real serious gardener. Okay. All this talk about tools and stuff. I know it doesn't sound like new a shovel or pruners um, are like a really amazing gift to give, but for plant people who garden year round quality tools are always very appreciated. Just like other purchases, we don't always buy ourselves the top of the line item, but it is always really nice to re receive something better than what we would bought on our own. Quality is usually pretty obvious. It doesn't necessarily have to reflect in the price though. A nice tool will be designed to last and it 
shouldn't have a whole lot of plastic components. Plastic will keep the price down, but if they're left outdoors in the heat, those plastic components are always the first to degrade and break. So look out, you know, look at those, look over the tools and look for ergonomic designs and metal parts. You are listening to Plow and Hose on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you will go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlor.com and check out the station and learn all about all the great music and shows coming out of our little station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. Really good shows like Wall of Sound and Drinking Texas and QT with Lavelle. While you are out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plow and Hose Facebook page and like and share it with your gardening friends or head over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Plow and Hose podcast. If you'd like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and please leave a review. It's super quick. Just go over there, click on some stars, type up a sentence or two about what you like about the show, and then submit it. Super easy. This is going to help others find um, my show, and downloading Plow and Hose episodes helps provide me with some show statistics. All right, let's get back to talking about gift giving. Maybe you are looking for something more unusual to give as a gardening gift. Something other than like a boring old trowel or a new rake. How about something a little more exotic and intriguing? Like a hori hori or an olia. A hori hori is a Japanese soil knife. It looks a whole lot like one of those scary hunting survival style knives. They're kind of big. They are about seven inches long and like two inches wide. And both sides of the blade are sharp. One side is heavily serrated and then the other side of the blade is smooth. It's not super pointy, but it does have a wide tip. And the blade is also kind of curved, it's concave. And that kind of makes like a nice little scoop. On one website, I read that it was originally used by bonsai enthusiasts for gently digging up plants from the ground. Hori, H-O-R-I. That means dig in Japanese. So Hori Hori means dig, dig. And... Oh my God, that has got to be the cutest freaking name for a knife. Dig, dig. Anyway, it's also really good for digging. The knife just slips easily into the ground and then you can use that jagged serrated side to cut through roots and cut all around a plant that you want to remove. And then you can just kind of scoop and lift it out using that concave side of the blade. You can use the smooth side of the blade for trimming and pruning leaves and stems. And then it's, it's also good for harvesting too. Some hori hori knives come marked 
like in inches. So you can use it for planting and you'll know exactly how deep you're planting something. I gotta say that I haven't seen, I've never noticed a hori hori knife in any store, but if you like to shop online, there are lots of options for sale from basic blades with like a rubber handle grip to really nice handmade hori hori knives with fancy wooden handles and they come with leather sheaths that you can attach to your belt so that you can wear it out when you're out in the garden. I think you would look really cool walking around your garden with a hori hori on your belt. Maybe. Anyway, if you'd rather give someone something less threatening than a hori hori knife, you could give your special plant person an olia. Olias are unglazed clay vessels that were traditionally used for cooking and storage, but they were also used for irrigation. The word olia is Latin for pot or jar. Um, that's spelled O-L-L-A. Olias are very, very old. They have been used in gardening since the ancient times. And there's even a Celtic god of agriculture who is always depicted holding a mallet and an olia. Uh, the Native Americans also used olias for irrigating. Olias used for gardening are basically urns that don't have handles. They are wide and bulbous at the bottom, and then they have a long neck that kind of tapers up. To me, garden olias look like giant terracotta light bulbs. Olias are buried in the ground up to the top of the neck, just slightly above the soil line. Then your plants are planted around the olia and you fill them up with water. As the plants grow, the roots grow towards and around the olia. And because olias are not sealed or glazed, the water is able to seep through the soil through soil moisture tension. When the soil is dry, the water is pulled out. When the soil is moist, the water stays in the olia like a little reservoir. Plants are never overwatered or underwatered. And they are really great because they help you conserve water. There is less evaporation since you are filling the olia and watering from the ground up instead of watering from the surface. Because of the self-watering nature of the olea through that soil moisture tension, you actually don't have to water as often. And depending on the weather conditions, you can reduce your watering time in half. So if you normally water twice a week, you only need to refill your olea once a week. Saving time, saving water, having happier plants. Could you really ask for anything more? I mean, you could. You could always ask for more plants. But <laughs> olias are all basically the same. They are made of clay, and they don't have a pretty or shining glaze around the base. You might find some with a little decorative glaze around the neck, 
Um, but just don't get one if the glaze is all over because then it won't work. That surface moisture tension won't work. You want to also get one that has a lid because a lid is going to help reduce evaporation from the top. But a lid is also going to help keep out excess debris and moisture-loving critters like toads and slugs and mosquitoes out of it. So get one with a lid. Olias aren't that common around here, but you can always order online instead of just trying to drive all over the place looking for one. If you happen to know someone who does pottery, see if they can make you a custom olia. Here's another idea for gifts. If you have any gardening friends who are new to Texas, you might want to get them some books that are specific to growing plants and gardening in Texas. Texas is a huge state and we have several different horticultural zones and geographic areas and having a good Texas specific gardening book is going to be an excellent resource for them. There are several popular books on Texas gardening. Just be sure to look for ones that recommend organic practices and using native plants. Those are going to be the ones that give the best advice. But really, any books that focus on organic practices or permaculture are really great resources for gardeners. Magazine subscriptions also make nice gifts. I enjoy seeing landscape designs and I get a lot of ideas from gardening magazines, even if they aren't from our area. But for Texas-specific information, Texas Gardener Magazine is a good one. Another idea that you can't go wrong with is giving gardening gloves. They come in all different types and materials to protect your hands. Just be sure to get the right size for your gardener. I find it super annoying to wear oversized gloves, and I'm sure that it's just as annoying to try to work in gloves that are too tight. So pay attention to the size when you're looking for gloves. Personally, I don't like solid fabric gloves. Fabric gloves get soggy when they get damp, and I don't like that. My personal favorite gloves are leather um, ones that cinch at the wrist. This helps them from getting dirt inside of them. So I like to like cinch it around my wrist to keep it nice and tight, keep that dirt out. I also like the woven gloves that are coated in latex. They fit snugly around the wrist, but they're also flexible and you get a little extra grip. Plus, they're going to help keep that moisture out. If you want something different, maybe look at giving some rose gloves. Traditionally, rose gloves were made of leather and they came up um, past your elbows. The leather protected your forearms from um, the rose thorns. They used to be really, really expensive, but now they come in a whole variety of materials and they aren't near as expensive as they used to be. If you're looking for a better deal, you might try shopping for beekeeper gloves. That's what I use when I work with thorny plants or handling lots of brush. Um, I used to have a, a beehive, so I still have my gloves. And those are the ones that I always grab when I'm going to be working with some nasty thorny um, plants.
if permaculture interests you and you want to add a new projects in, you should put a rain barrel on your Christmas wish list. Rainwater collection is one of the easiest and most instant permaculture projects you can install. There are some really sophisticated, nice rainwater collection systems out there, and they will catch all the rainwater off your roof and filter it and then store it in these really pretty tanks. Those can be really expensive, but if you're wanting to offset your water bill and provide great water for your garden, those fancy systems eventually pay for themselves. But if you're not quite ready to do that and you're just interested in getting into rainwater harvesting, you could put one of the small rain barrels on your list. You can get or you can give a 60 gallon rain barrel with a spigot and overflow valve and a lid and a screen for under like a hundred bucks. Back on November 25th on the, on episode 43 of the Plow and Hose podcast, I talked about another permaculture project, vermiculture. And it's gotta be like the most passive type of composting. So this might be the inspiration for another gift idea for any gardening friends. All you need for vermiculture is a plastic box with a lid that has air holes, shredded paper, kitchen scraps, and worms. You can make your own little DIY worm bin. There are plenty of instructions out there, but it's a busy time of year. If you want to save some time, just order a worm farm. There are plenty out on the internet to be found. I even found one. Um, it's a little nice one. It was like $20. It has like a tray and um, a snap-on lid that had a handle. It kind of looked like a little toolbox. It was cute. I think this little worm farm would be really great for kids. And... They will love telling people that their parents gave them worms. <laughs> Another gardening gift idea for kids are, uh, of course, kid-sized gardening tools and gloves, but watering cans are a big hit with kids. Small little cans, just their size, that don't get too heavy when you fill them up. You can let them water your indoor plants uh, um, until it warms up. And then they can take them outside and use them to water plants. I mean, my kids were just always so entertained with watering cans. They spent so much time watering everything but the plants, but they always had fun. And it was nice to have them out there with me while I was working in the yard. It's kind of a hard time of the year to get them out in the garden with you, but another kid idea would, um, would be some of those fun stepping stone kits, and they could work on those um, over the winter between now and springtime, and then they can put them out in the garden. If they already have a special spot in the garden, you know, you could look for some fun or special gardening figurines to, to put out there. Or you could get them items to make a terrarium. There's lots of really, really cute terrarium garden ideas out on the internet. 
gifts that help you grow indoors are a fun option too, both not only for kids, but also grownups too. Sprouting jars and microgreen kits, those allow you to grow fresh, nutritious foods inside all winter long. And they're, it's really simple to do. Microgreens are just immature, tiny versions of regular greens. You just plant the seeds like lettuce or kale or spinach, cabbage, chard, whatever. When they start forming little sets of leaves, that's when you harvest them. You just snip them off and you can add those directly to a sandwich or right into a little salad. Sprouting isn't that much difference. Um, instead, you grow them in a jar without soil and you eat the entire sprout, not just the leaves. Mung beans, lentils, grains, and other legumes all can be sprouted. Both sprouting and microgreens are super fast gardening projects. You can harvest sprouts in just a few days and microgreens are ready in like two weeks. So these are really good for impatient gardeners and they're good for people just starting to get into gardening. And they're really good for those who don't have much space but they still want to grow some of their own fresh food. Thank you for joining me today. I hope I gave y'all some nice gardening gift ideas for the holidays. Production assistance provided by KBSR, Black Sparrow Radio. Original music created by Alex Cuervo. Discover more of his music at alexcuervo.tv. If you love plants and gardening in Central Texas, be sure to click the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and never miss seasonal information on Plow and Hose. Plow and Hose is written and recorded at my home in Taylor, Texas.